your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea. And honestly, I feel like I need a new intro. Not intro music. I know I just updated that, but like just saying hello, 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 and what's up sounds so repetitive. And I'm like, maybe it's because I've done like 120 plus episodes, but I don't know. I feel like I need to say hello in a different way. So if anybody has ideas or recommendations, please let me know. Also, just more behind the scenes, if you've been listening to the last few podcasts, you know I've been traveling around Europe and it is not necessarily a holiday as much as it is figuring out my next steps in life. Um, If you've been reading my emails or just, again, listening to the podcast, you know that I'm moving through a breakup and it's not as easy as you would think to just pick up and move out. There's a lot of different moving pieces regarding contracts and leases and my permit and so many moving pieces like seriously every day I feel like I go through 20 different emotions every hour and so I'm not ready to share everything just yet there's still a lot of processing and healing that's going on but I've been traveling and I wanted to share this because I think oftentimes when you're traveling people just have all these assumptions like you're financially abundant you're healthy you're wealthy your smiles on your face no worries in the world and I'm like this traveling was a bit different. I was actually going on an eat, pray, love journey. It was more like eat, heal, and heal and eat journey. Like that was literally it. And so I don't know. I just feel called to share that. I think, you know, you probably see my Instagram pictures smiling and out and swimming and doing all these fun things. And I did do really fun things and I'm so grateful I did them and I'm so fucking happy I got to do them. And at the same time, I'm moving through a breakup. I have a lot of things to figure out. I have to figure out my next steps in life, where I want to live. And it's not as easy as you would think. I mean, again, I'm dealing with a permit, a lease, contracts. So many different things are up in the air. And so the traveling was just to really like find my footing and recenter. And now I have to deal with quote unquote real life. And that's what's going on. So fortunately, I have the podcast every week, which I love doing. It truly like anchors me in. It's something that I'm committed to. And it gives me a sense of purpose and direction. I think the podcast started as a creative outlet, but as I've done it every week now for God knows how many years, it really has just become this thing that's almost habitual and it feels weird if I don't do it. And I've had people be like, I can't believe you're podcasting and you have all this stuff going on. And I'm like, to me, the podcast is like my right hand now. It's like, I have it, I use it, I I need it. So of course I'm going to keep doing the podcast. And if I'm going to keep doing the podcast, I'm going to have to do it with the resources I have. And right now I am traveling and I don't have my microphone. So I'm using my voice memo on my phone. So apologies, apologies if there's any audio issues. And also I'm in a hotel room again because I was supposed to go back to my flat tomorrow and there was a train strike. And so actually, no, I was supposed to go back yesterday and there was a train strike. And so my train home got canceled. So I'm in Hamburg and fortunately I have friends here and I was able to book a hotel that was fairly cheap and it's actually kind of nice. I like being alone after a trip, but yeah, life is crazy and 
I honestly think I'm going to do a whole new podcast about traveling. I think what I'll do is do like a few episodes on this podcast and then make it its own thing because the stuff I've experienced traveling, it's not just stories. Like I want to share tips. I want to share cultural differences. I want to share the people I've met and interview them. And I feel like it would just be so fun to have it as a separate thing. So yeah, if you're down for a travel podcast, let me know. I think I'm going to do it regardless anyway, even if you don't let me know. (laughs) I just feel like I really want to do that. So yeah, that's what's going on in my personal life. Just a shit ton of stuff, emotional roller coasters, but I'm figuring it out. And like I said, this podcast really is like my saving grace. So on today's episode, we have Kelsey Abbott, and she is an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, instigator of joy, and the host of Find Your Awesome podcast. She helps spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here so they can amplify their impact and send ripples of light across the planet. Ugh, love that. She wants everybody to do this with ease, joy, flow, magic, and miracles, and she believes that the universe wants us to be sparkly AF and that joy is our natural state. She is such a breath of fresh air. When we originally connected, I saw that we were both coaches and we were into human design and we, she actually lives in Florida, and so we connected on that. And I thought we were just going to have like a light and fluffy conversation about coaching and business and human design. And I was on her podcast and we did a podcast swap. So go check out hers, the Find Your Awesome podcast. And I was like, whoa, we got along so well and we went so deep into so many different directions. And today's episode, we actually kick off with why she's not on social media anymore. I think it's really fascinating when people just jump off social media because I still have a fear around thinking like if I get off social media, my business is just going to crash and burn. And so I love talking to people that have had successful businesses and are off social media. And we also talk about human design and business and how it can really change your business and your relationship with your clients. And we also talk about coaching, the difference between coaching versus therapy, the cost of coaching and why that energy exchange is what it is, the impact coaching has. We really covered so many different things and I know you're going to love her. She is so incredible. She's so relatable. And I was going to say follow her on Instagram, but you can't because she's offline. So just be sure to follow her podcast, Find Your Awesome Podcast, and go to KelseyAbbott.com where you'll find everything to work with her. Just a reminder, Mic Drop is starting in just a few weeks. So if you want to start your own podcast, launch your very own platform, I would highly suggest checking out Mic Drop. You can find the link in my bio. And for the next few weeks, I'm going to be dropping bonus episodes around different things around podcasting. So like debunking podcast myths, trying to find your voice in the podcast world, different ways to podcast. You don't always have to do like an hour-long interview podcast each week. That's that's the norm, but absolutely is not something you have to do. And I want to just share more insight around the world of podcasting. So if you have specific topics or questions around podcasting, please send them to me at Chelsea Reif or at Non-Expert Opinion Pod, and I will be sure to answer them in these episodes. So again, these are going to be bonus episodes sprinkled out through the next few weeks before mic drop starts, and that's just to share more information. If you need more clarity around podcasting and how it might work for you, I would highly suggest listening to those podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode with Kelsey Abbott. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to today's episode. I have someone on that her name rhymes with mine. I have Kelsey Abbott on. Welcome to the podcast. 
Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. I'm like really, really, really excited for this conversation. It feels like a continuation of last week's. Yes. So to give people some insight, I was on her podcast last week and we're doing a swap and she's coming on mine. And Kelsey, I actually have to be honest. I thought when we connected, we were going to have kind of like just a bubbly, fluffy conversation about the coaching world and business. And we took so many different turns in our conversation that I was like, whoa, our conversation is going to, like you just said, continue. And I feel like we're going to cover so many pieces during this podcast. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the way my brain works. <laughs> yes. And speaking of like the way your brain works and what you focus on, you focus on human design and coaching. So what is your human design? I am a four six manifesting generator and my incarnation cross is the right angle cross of penetration three. Okay. I do not know what the incarnation cross stuff means yet. So you're gonna have to explain that in a second, but I feel like you are the 100th manifesting generator in my life. All my mentors are, uh, my best friends are manifesting generators. And I'm curious your take on manifesting generators. Like, do you notice you all have similar traits or like, can you spot a manifesting generator when you see one? Mm -hmm. Usually. Um, <laughs> because I, I do remember watching Oh, I don't know. Maybe it was like a cake decorating show or something. And this person was like, yeah, I opened this bakery. It was like a big name in the baking world, which I'm not I'm not really into the baking world. So it wasn't a it wasn't a big deal to me. But um, she was like, and I used to be in finance. And before that, I was a teacher and she's a fairly young person. I was like, oh, I think that's an MG. That's so interesting. All my clients that are MGs, they're like, yeah, I used to like do merchandise and now I run an online business and I used to work in restaurants and I'm like, wait, what? And now I'm starting, it's starting to click. Like you said, I'm like, she has some MG qualities. Um, I really want to get into the human design stuff, but I'm even more curious and I'm going to ask you a question I've never asked anybody, how you've been able to get off social media and run a thriving business, because that's something that you've you've done. And I'm so curious about it. First of all, I want to say like, so I went off social media a year ago in May of 2020. And part of my human design is I do things first. And I just love that. Like, it's like, it took a year. It was like, I got the hard nudge, which felt like a shove to get off social media. And I remember kind of, kind of saying that I was going to do it to a couple people. And they're like, really? And I'm like, no, I'm feeling it so strong. I'm just going to do it. And then it's like a year later that people start being like, so tell me more. Tell me about this. Um, yeah. So I used to love social media. Instagram was my playground. Facebook was always mostly fun. Um, and I met some amazing like business buddies through social media. And then, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> that's how everyone's feeling right now everybody's like oh. like I don't really have words to describe it other than there is like the overwhelming awareness this isn't real this all feels fake like is this all like a reality tv show I'm not into this and and oh yeah I just wanted off of it and brief tangent I was listening to um, an episode of the Ritual podcast this morning. This guy, Hella, I can't remember his, his last name, but he just ran across the United States. And he he was the first black man 
or black American, I think black man to ever run across the United States. And he talked about some of the experiences he had. And he only had like, he had like three negative experiences based on the color of his skin, people being jerks. But the rest, he was like, people are so wonderful and kind and outgoing and giving. And it's nothing like what we see on social media. And it just, I was like, "Mm, that's right. That's one of the things I was noticing. In the real world, people are actually really loving and kind. And of course there are outliers, but real world is different than social media world. Oh yeah. I feel like this is such a timely conversation because literally in the last seven days, the Instagram CEO has talked about the updates to the algorithm and they're focusing on video messaging, shopping, and like going live or something. And people are freaking out because they're like, I'm not an actress. I'm not a comedian. I'm not a video creator. And I'm like, this to me is going to turn into an even bigger push into podcasting and audio because people, I feel like a circus monkey now on Instagram. I'm like, I don't want to make these 45 second videos when I could have an hour long conversation with incredible people like you. And it's nuanced. And I think that's the part people forget, like you're saying, there's nuance in the real world. There's not nuance in a 15 second reel. And that 15 second reel, it disappears. Like we are people who have studied and practiced and like lived this experience so that we can help other people transform their lives. And while it sometimes amuses me like how much you can change someone's life in 15 seconds, that really like that's a tiny bit. Imagine then what could happen with a full hour long conversation. It takes like, it's like the real world is this super nutritious, nutrient dense meal and social media is candy. And so many people think that just the candy is the, is the thing. And there's so much more that you can learn and grow. That visual just landed so much with me. Like I love when people speak in examples like that. And it's so true because it is like the quick hit of a candy bar. It's like you wait for the reel to go live. Is it going to go viral? Who's going to like it? And then it's just like, cool. Now I have to create another one. Like even if it does go viral, great. I got to create another one. Like it never stops. That's what, that was my big observation that I won't say that's what totally shoved me off social media, but that was a constant pressure for me. It was like, I was always thinking, okay, I got to create content for social media. What am I going to post about today? Oh, I'm going for a walk. I guess I got to bring my phone so I can take some, even like backup plan, take some pictures of flowers so I can post those up in my stories. And like, I was like, I don't want to have my phone with me. I don't, as much as like I work on presents and I, I, felt like I was 100% present when I was on those walks, then when I'm not on those walks, like other times, I'm just like churning out content in my head. And then what happens to that content? It gets scrolled through. Maybe, you know, 5% of the people who see it actually read it and maybe it makes them think differently. They're likely not saving it. They're not going back and reading it again. They're not changing their life based on it. They're not hiring you. It's just like seeing a beautiful mural on on the street. Like, oh, that's amazing. I'm so happy I saw it. You know, maybe I'll take a picture of it for Instagram. It's so interesting you say that because I had that observation too about a three years ago when I was about to travel and I could picture myself in those places thinking of how I wanted the the picture to look on social media instead of like planning a, a fun trip. I was like, 
ooh, that waterfall would look good. And then I could put it next to a picture of me like on the water. And I'm like, whoa, I'm living my life through this Instagram lens. Like I'm filtering everything to like, how is this going to look on social media? And even this morning, I went to do a yoga session in the park and I went to grab my phone and post about it. And to your point, I'm like, this is so weird. I feel the need to like update everybody on this beautiful moment I had instead of letting it just sink in. And so it's amazing that now we're at this point where everybody's feeling the pressure of it, but we like can't get off. It's like, it's kind of like a drug. I feel like we're addicted. And I'm curious, how did you manage to, I guess, stay off the drug? <laughs> yeah. So I did, I don't necessarily recommend ending your social media tenure the way I did, which is kind of the way I do everything. I'm just like, screw it. And I jumped, jumped off. I know other people that like saw it coming and they planned for six weeks telling people how to contact them on their website and email and all that. And I was like, just off. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to at least be off for two weeks. Like a week into that. I was like, it's longer than two weeks. And after two weeks, I was like, mm -mm. I, I was, it, it felt like gross to go back on social media. I was like, that is not for me. People are like, how are you going to do your business? I was like, I don't know. But I had been saying for like a year, there's another way. There's another way. And people are like, what is it? And I was like, I have no idea, but there has to be another way. And have you found that other way? I don't think it's that easy. I don't think it's like remove in my experience. It's not like, okay, throw away social media and like, boom, this comes in. But I looked at what totally lights me up. What do I love doing? This. I love conversations with humans. And so, okay, I'm already doing a podcast. How can I get on more people's podcasts? And I decided to invest instead in a podcast pitch agency, in one that really actually in a pitch agent who had been pitching to my podcast for a couple of years, who I had said from like the third pitch I got her, if I got from her. If I ever decide to hire someone for this, it's share. So it's like, okay, it's time to make that investment. And that's how I'm going to like, let's do this experiment. And it's, it's worked. We're still experimenting. It's working. It's, oh, it's, it's an experiment every single day. But you know what? First of all, they're amazing because I meet people like you that I'm like, of course, thank you. You're so good at this. This is like the best matchmaking ever. This is how I make yes. friends now. <laughs> Like a professional picks them out for me, and I'm like, yes, like this you is amazing. All my new best friends, thank you. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I did that, and then the other thing I did was I changed my opt-in. So on my website, it was always, oh, I think my original opt-in was meditations, and then I changed it to a love note about your human design type, and then I started offering to get people's charts for free. And I realized, wait, a lot of people were doing that. That could be my opt-in. And so I pull the chart and then I am the one who sends it to them. Like they get a personal email from me with a golden nugget. So that fulfills my, my four, six heart of like wanting to connect deeply with another human. It would be amazing if every single person wrote back to those emails, but I also don't need it. It just feels good to connect. Oh, I love that. And I love that you are treating it like an experiment and knowing like, yeah, maybe some things won't work. Maybe some things do, but it's just tweaking as you go. And I think to your point of like being a guest on platforms, I'm curious, has that impacted your business in a, in a 
good way, bad way? I mean, I can't imagine it's bad, but like, how has it impacted your business? It more more and more people have come in, have joined my email list, so it's been positive. I don't look at numbers for anything. I when I started my podcast in 2017, I said I'm not going to look at any of the numbers until I get a year in. And then I reached a year and I was like, what am I going to do with that information? Is that going to help me? Am I going to change anything based on it? No, I'm probably just going to beat myself up over it. So I'm not going to look. And so I don't look at that. Don't look at my mailing list numbers. Mm -mm. That's something we bonded over last week. We're like, we don't love analytics. We don't love systems and, and softwares. And so people are probably like, then how do you all operate a business. And I'm like, I outsource. So I'm curious what you do for all that other stuff. I don't even look at it. I, my assistant does have access to it. And she looked once and I was like, don't even tell me anything. Don't be like, yay, don't nothing. Because I know myself, I know I'll make up a story. I'll change my goal. But the thing is, the reason I'm doing all of this stuff, all the, all the content I create, podcasts, the few YouTube stuff, things I've done. I'm doing it because like I'm having conversations with you because I love these conversations. I'm not doing it to be like, how many people are listening? It doesn't matter. It would be great if one person listens and it changes their life. That's all I'm after. I feel like that is the key to getting into podcasting too. I feel like when people start and they're like, I want a brand sponsorship. I want this. I want that. It's like podcasting is a long game. I've been doing this for four years. I know you've been in the game for a long time. Like this isn't quick fix stuff. And you do have to have uh, a, a desire to talk to people for an hour every week. And it's like, yeah, if you crave that human connection, podcasting is amazing. And even if you don't, like if you want to talk solo for an hour, those are some of my most downloaded podcasts. And I think that's the one insight I got from looking at my analytics. I was like, oh, people actually like the solos. Maybe I'll do more. But to your point, I can't imagine looking at my analytics and just being like, oh, I guess I'm going to stop podcasting because this one didn't do as good as the other one. It's like, no, I'm still going to talk to incredible people like you. And why would I stop stop that just because of an, an episode download number? Exactly. And yeah, you're a six too. Everyone wants to hear from you. <laughs> I want to talk about human design because that is a clear, clear pillar of your coaching. But this is something, and I don't know if this is my 6-2 profile or if I have something in my chart where I'm just like a little skeptical, where human design makes so much sense to me and it's so validating. And at the same time, I'm like, is this real? Like, is this actually real? And so I'm curious, how did you get into it and realize this is something I want to integrate into my coaching? Okay. So I started out my coaching business. I called myself a confidence coach initially. And I think from day one, like my business is find your awesome. So I wanted your awesome is that internal spark. It's remembering who you are. I've been doing that forever and human design ended up being the missing piece from my business. Oh my goodness. I can help people remember who they are and I can point to this now and keep coming back to this. Okay. Now that's out of the way. So I had a guest on my podcast who was like, have you ever heard of human design? And I said, no. And the way I heard that phrase human design, like, it's so weird. I was like, no, what is that? Like, like anatomy? Like I, yeah. I, I did take anatomy and physiology in high school and in college. I took a few of those classes. Um, and she's like, no, no. And she really didn't tell me anything. She just said, you need to know what time you were born. I knew that. So that we finished recording and I'm like immediately Googling 
And I looked at my chart and I didn't know what to do with it. Like a human design chart is ridiculous looking. It's like it's designed to baffle you because it is this like human head and profile wearing a tent. And there's a lot of colors and shapes and size inside. And then, well, except for you, there would just be a lot of shapes. (laughs) Um, And then there's like colors and symbols and numbers on the outside, like two columns on the outside. Like, what are you supposed to do with this? And so I literally, I was like, "Uh, uh, okay. (laughs) And then I would, you know, take a few minutes every day to just Google a little bit. And I, I was a manifesting generator. So I saw that. And so I was Googling manifesting generator. And finally I came across the phrase manifesting generators are warrior Buddhas. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) okay. Like that, like I felt it in my body and I was like, okay, wait, there's truth here. And that was just like the tiny breadcrumb I needed to keep following the breadcrumbs, which were very small initially. And then I went to an event and someone said to me, Oh, you're into human design do you follow this person? Of course, I'd never heard of them. And I went on Instagram, started following her. Then I went on, searched my podcast app and found every podcast she'd ever been on and just dove all the way in the human design rabbit hole. And then she offered a training program and I was so there. So, okay, let's back up. Uh, I started my, like my post-collegiate career as a marine biologist So I come from this biology experimental background. So as I'm learning to understand my chart, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is blowing my mind. This is all so what I've been looking for. It is giving me permission to be me. I wonder if this is true for everyone else. So I started giving out free 15-minute readings just to see if it resonated with everyone else. It resonated with everyone else. I did like a hundred of these mini readings. And so I didn't really, I I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to do an experiment. I just kind of did it. And in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that's how I dealt with the skepticism, my skepticism. I still am like, oh, I don't, I can't explain this. I can just tell you, hey, this can help a lot. I like that. I like that it's like, there is still part of me that, is a bit skeptical and it's extremely validating and gives me permission to be me. It's like, I think we can live in the world of both and it's a very gray world to me. And I love that you actually got over your own skepticism by providing yourself evidence of like, if it helped a hundred people, <laughs> this can't be like completely off base. Yeah, exactly. It reminds me the other day, um, my mother-in-law was talking about how she has nerve pain in her back. And I was like, Hey, I can't explain this at all, and this is going to sound really weird, but I found a lot of help from binaural beats, and I have no idea how they work, but my nerve pain went from a 10 out of 10 to a 2 out of 10. Do you want to try it? It's free on YouTube. And she was like, can't hurt, which was a big, big deal because she's a very skeptical person, and I, I haven't heard back, but I sent her the link. But it's the same thing. Like, I have no idea how that works, but it did. Yeah. That's what, it, what I always end up convincing myself out of when I get skeptical. I'm like, let's say this is made up. If it's working for this many people, why would it matter if it's like in a textbook or in a history book or not? It's like, if, if it, it's helping thousands of people at this point. So 
why is it wrong you know we're so humans are so funny on so many levels but like do we know do we need to know for instance why pineapple feels kind of like zingy on our tongue if we have too much of it it's because it's a bromolide or something in that in that um family which is the same family as spanish moss fun fact Mm. um but most people don't know that you just eat it it's delicious and you know if you eat too much your tongue's gonna feel funny so there's there's so much in life that we just we don't know anyway right then we we're still gonna eat the pineapple even if we don't know why it does that to our tongue or why why we like it this is so funny. I was thinking about this today and I think I read it in a, a book once and then seeing it reminded me. I was eating at this cafe and there were flowers in the middle of the table at every table. And I'm just like, it's because they put them there because they're beautiful and no one questions it. But it's like, why do we think flowers are beautiful? Like, what if there was broccoli in the middle of the table or like green peppers? We'd be like, why the hell is, is there broccoli on the table as decoration? But as humans, we just decided like these specific flowers are beautiful and that's what decorates everything. It's like such a symbol of so many things. But to your point, it's like we just decided that. It's crazy. I love that. And also, let's put broccoli in the center of tables. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. If you see broccoli on your table, you, you're going to know where it came from, where it comes from. Um, I want to get into like human design and business a little bit because the more and more I learn about it, it actually does help me validate like my offers and the way I work. So I know there's five different profile types. So obviously there's so much we could cover about each type, but I'm curious, is there something within each type that you find works well in business? Doesn't work well? Like any tips for each type when it comes to business? Yeah. So where shall we start? Let's start with generators. Generators tend to when they when they get a sacral yes to something, meaning so this part is true for manifesting generators and generators that the universe shows us things and we get to respond and we respond from our bodies like our bodies light up if it's something that we that we like so it's like a you feel holy hell yes. You might feel a uh-huh. You might feel I feel joy bubbles like running throughout my body. I'm you might lean forward if it's a yes. And when a generator feels a yes, like, oh, do I want to offer this program? It's yes. And then it's like that is do you remember those little cars? I don't know if they still exist, but like the toy car that you pull back and then it just oh, goes. Yeah. Then that's like a generator. It's like you pull it back. They get the sacral yes, and it's just go, and it goes in a straight line. Like, yes, I am going to do this. I man, So for generators, make sure you've got the space to do the thing because you're going to do the thing. Like you might oh, yeah. be up all night doing the thing. Manifesting generators don't have that. <laughs> we have that sacral yes, but – that car isn't necessarily going to go straight. We have to mo- leave room for us to change our minds. And it's not mm. a funny phrase because it isn't actually our minds that are changing. It's our sacral response that changes. So some days you may be totally psyched about one thing. And then like three days later, we're like, mm, <laughs> I'm over that. The other thing about manifesting generators is we are not built to plan things too far in advance. Like when I actually do a program, like, you know, a group program, 
I won't, I'll, I'll like t- start talking about it like two weeks before it's going to happen. And then the program itself won't be that long if it's a group because I know that the chance of my sacral response changing is really high. So I don't want, I see people like launch things and they're like, this is happening in six months. And I'm like, oh, good God. Like, there's no way. I'm so sure I'd be over it by then. I would be so annoyed and be like, oh, yay, you signed up for this program and now I have to do this. So MGs, know that about yourselves and own it. Uh, Projectors. Projectors, your job is to hone your wisdom and collect wisdom. So really the majority of your day, like I was going to say three quarters, but even more than that, like, I don't know, (laughs) like more. I don't know. I'm really, I'm like (laughs) stumped on the figure. 80% of your day should be you taking in wisdom. So you listening to podcasts, reading books, meditating, grounding, really filling yourself up. And then that extra 20%, maybe only 10% of it is spent guiding your clients. Don't sacrifice that wisdom collection. Manifestors, The key to your power is owning it and knowing that not everyone's going to like you, which is true for all humans, right? But manifestors, your power is so big. We need you to own it and don't be afraid. Like, don't try to cater to everyone because you are so not here for that. You are here to build movements and a movement goes in a certain direction. So follow that movement, create it, and the people who are supposed to follow you will follow And then my darling reflectors, you guys are so different. Every single one of you just pay attention to your environment. That's what I would say. The key is your environment also includes the people around you. Listen to Chelsea on the find your awesome podcast because you talk so much about how what it's like to be a reflector in different environments, different businesses, different countries. And I think that's going to be so helpful for people. The other thing for reflectors is you guys really need to be at peace with knowing and owning that every moment is a brand new moment. So if you Mm. try to cage yourself in or like be really specific with your niche, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to feel off your game. So really just like owning your flow, which is so fluid is essential for you guys. Wow. I'm furiously nodding my head, which I know people can't see, but I'm nodding to the reflector thing because that was my biggest issue when starting my business was I was taught like you need to niche down. You need to make it clear what you do. You have to promote it on all channels. And I kept changing my Instagram bio like every month. And I'm like, I just don't feel like the same anymore. Even now I'm like, I'm not coaching on what I was six months ago. I just changed my email signature like three weeks ago, but I'm like, I need to be okay with that and hope that the people that are following me will understand. But because the business world is so structured to be like, no, you need to follow one path. I know a lot of us, not just reflectors, especially what you were saying about, I think, manifesting generators, changing our minds, we feel like lazy or maybe we're confused or we don't know what we're doing. And so I'm curious, how do you help clients go through that? Because I felt that I'm like, maybe I'm not meant for this world. Like I don't have a lot of structure and I'm, yeah, I'm just curious your take on that. Yes. So the business rules, where did these come from? Like, I feel like they are (laughs) 
they're for generators. Generators feel like they're written for manifestors. No, they're like, they're not for anyone. They're, I don't know, maybe they're for, so there's something in our human design, whether you're a specific manifestor or a non-specific manifestor, and, and this is for all energy types. And the specific people, they're here to be strategic and have business plans and all of that. And, and I feel like that's just assumed that everyone in business is specific. I'm not. Um, there, yeah. So I say, I always remind people for manifesting generators, you are here to be lit up. Your sparkle elevates the world. It is your responsibility to society to be lit up. So if that thing doesn't light you up anymore, forget it and go do what lights you up for reflectors. You guys just have to own who you are, that you are everybody and nobody. You are everything and nothing. And it is such a beautiful, unique way of being. Oh, it's beautiful and it's hard to accept. You know what I mean? Like even you saying that, I'm like, but being everything and nothing, that's confusing. That message isn't clear in my marketing and who's going to get it? And it really still is something I experiment with all the time that I'm like, I hope that people are understanding what I'm saying and I think they are, but um, there was something you were saying too about, oh, the sacral yes and like full body yes. I remember my friend telling me to make decisions like, well, do you have a full body hell yes? Do you get goosebumps? And I was like, no, like what are you talking? I, that doesn't happen to me. And then I found out she's a manifesting generator and she's, and then I learned more about human design and how everything's set up. And so now that I understand it, it makes so much sense when I work with my clients that I actually include that now in their intake form of like, what's your human design? Because now I understand. I'm like, there's a girl right now that last week we kind of discussed launching a podcast and this was five days ago. She's like ready to launch it, like submit it. I'm like, what, where did you find the time to like record the cover art, everything? She's like, oh, like I just found the time where some clients I work with, it takes six months. So that's something I find too in human design. It's validating to know that like, yeah, maybe I don't get full body hell yes chills, but I do it in my own way. And it doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Yes. All of that. And that is why I believe that understanding your human design is so essential for this entrepreneurial space. Because no, a reflector is not going to know is not going to take action on that podcast for a while. And neither is a projector. And who knows if an MG is because she might have a million other projects going on too. A generator, if it's that thing that lights them up right now, will do it right away. Oh, it's so fascinating. Because I'm like, every time I look back to my clients and what they are, I'm like, yes, this one is taking a little bit longer because she's this, this one wrote a book last night in her sleep and it's because she's this. So it's so helpful. I'm curious about the profile types because that didn't come into my sphere until like six months ago. And now I learn more about it. The human design community is like, that's actually one of the biggest pieces to pay attention to. And I thought there were a million combinations, like a 1-1, one, one, a 1-2, one, a 1-3, but there's actually only a few. So can you walk us through them maybe at a high level and what they are? Yeah. So the most common ones, I don't know how this was decided, um, <laughs> but the most common ones are, let's see, 1-3, 2-4, 4-6, 5-6, 1. Oh, and 3-5. 
All right, so we'll go. By the way, I feel like if you don't know human design, it sounds like we're like making shit up. I know. It's, it's like you definitely want to like go pull up an article or something to reference this. Even if you do know human design, you're probably like you can step back and be like, wait, what? This is <laughs> nonsense. So the first number is the number that you're conscious of. It's the number. So first of all, your your profile is like your personality. So the first number is like who you know you are. You resonate so deeply with that. And the second number is how other people see you. So as a 6-2, all right, well, the six line is a little complicated, but since we both have them, let's talk about it for a little bit. So the six line is a three for the first 30 years of your life. And then from around age 30 to around age 50, it's gradually becoming this role model. So the first 30 years of your life are all about experimenting and learning through personal experience. And then it gradually becomes this like regal role model where you become an authority. So as a 6'2", Chelsea, you have this, like you are so familiar with the six that is you, which is still and and the three always stays with us because we're always learning through personal experience and always experimenting. Um, but you're so familiar with that. Whereas other people might see this like so-called hermit of you. They might be like, oh yeah, Chelsea is a homebody, or um they might think you're an introvert, or all these things that you might be like, wait, what? I think it's it's most pronounced in the two four. Because the 2-4 is the type of person who, I'm, I'm married to one, um, everyone who doesn't know him super, super well thinks that he is such an extrovert. And then, really, I'm the only one who knows that he loves being at home. He loves just being by himself. Um, okay. So going through a, a few of the profiles, six, two, yeah, you are the authority that your, your kid self always wished existed. Wow. Never heard it explained like that. I really like that. <laughs> the one, three, and I'm just going to say these as they come up. One, threes want to know all the things about all the things. <laughs> um, four sixes, we are here for deep connection. And you need to own our regal authority, which is tough for us because we want to connect with all the people. And this was a social media thing for me. Oh my God, I love social media because I connect with all these people. And then this, the other thing about the six line is, so as a four, six people are perceiving that six and they perceive me as more of an authority figure than I see myself as. I see myself as like one of the people and they see me as an authority figure. So I'd get frustrated for years. I got frustrated that no one wrote back to my emails. I would be like, how are you? Like all these deep questions, like really wanting to connect with people. And I'd get crickets. Realize it's because they're getting an email from someone they think is like, oh, she doesn't need a response from me. She's not really asking me. It's a rhetorical question. And I'm like, no, humans, I want to connect with you. It's not a robot. It's really no, me. It's really me. Um, the three five doesn't know anything until they try it. They do not have any idea what they like until they try it. 
So it's really important, and I'm just really feeling called to say this to the three fives who are listening right now, it's super important that the people who love you cheer you on as you try everything. And don't feel, first of all, no no one can ever tell you what you're going to like. They, People from the outside can be like, that's not for you, but I can't, like you need to go find out for yourself. So go easy on yourself as you try things on and you're like, whoops, not that, not that, not that. It's okay. You're going to find your thing. Oh my gosh. It's, there's so much insight. Like you can see how just by knowing your energy type and then combining it with the profile type gives you such powerful insights. And then there's still the whole world of gates and channels and all that stuff that I know you can get into. But if someone is new to this, where would you recommend they start? Or like, what would be the most helpful for them? Start with the energy type. So that's the generator, manifester, manifesting generator, projector, reflector. Start there. And then, then probably get into your profiles and then everything else. Okay. And that's we, helpful to know. And by everything else, we've got gates, channels, centers, um, environment, whether you're built for consistency or not, uh, your strongest sense the way you digest information, there's the way you manifest. Like everything is in there. It's nuts. Like you said, if you open up that body graph, you're like, what is this? It looks like someone like put a bunch of stuff together and like called it a body graph. So you definitely need someone to do a reading for you. I would recommend that. Like there's no way I would have been able to figure out what my chart meant if I hadn't sat down with somebody to walk me through it. Yeah. And this is why like there are a lot of people who really try and piece it all together on their own. You guys, I know how to do this. Like I figured it out. <laughs> I, I did the training. I can walk you through this. And this is a message. Okay, this is primarily for generators and manifesting generators, but really I think it's for all humans. Ditch the heavy and the hard. You don't have to struggle. Take the easy route. And one of the easiest places I saw this in my life in business is a year ago, my assistant and I wanted to upgrade my website to the next version of Squarespace. But in order to do that, we were going to have to manually transfer all 200 podcasts one at a time from the old site to the new site. And I was like, whoa, no, I'm not doing that. And my assistant's a generator. I was like, you're not doing that. I was like, I can't even think of paying somebody to do no one. There's no human who should have to do that. So we know like, okay, not that. It's not time. And remember that in all things. As you're looking at something and you're like, oh, this feels really hard. Okay, don't go that way. This is a really interesting conversation because I just had a client who she just quit her job and she's now doing something she loves and she's a manifesting generator. So she's actually lit up by it, gets shit done so quickly. But she's like, everything is so easy. I, I feel guilty. Like I need to make it hard. Like I feel like I need to fill up my days with random stuff. I don't know what to do. And that's clearly just, especially in North American society, comes from like hustle mentality and fill up your days. And I imagine a lot of the work you do with your clients is deconditioning from that. And I'm curious, how do you help them with that? Yeah. The, it's so funny that what we have learned, you got to push, you got to struggle. And I think my being an athlete helps me bring a different perspective to this. I'm like, look, when I am out there busting my butt 
running on the trail, it's ease filled and I'm working hard. There, that is where we're going. We are looking, that is where flow happens. Things are challenging, but it's, I'm, I'm also feel like I'm being pulled. Like I, I, it's fun. It's lighting me up. But if something isn't lighting you up, if you feel like you are running through waist deep water, that's probably not going to feel fun. And that's going to be hard. Unless you're doing it for like, I don't know, 10 yards and you're just laughing the whole way because it's ridiculous. But if you're doing it for longer than that, you're probably just like, what? What am I doing? I'm not moving forward. This is hard. Yeah. But what happens if you like move 10 yards inland and then you're running on the beach and then that's super easy or even you're running in like an inch of water. That could be fun. So there's, we tend to think there's only one road. There are so many and every single one of them has the potential to be magical. You just have to find the one that's magical for you. Love that. I love that you are showing us that there really is multiple ways. And I think when you, you're giving us that visual, it always reminds me of nature. Like a flower, there's flowers that bloom in mud. There's flowers that bloom on trees. There's flowers that bloom in the desert. Like they bloom in all different environments, but they're all flowers. But we're not like, oh, no, they all have to bloom that one way. It's like, no, they could, there's a million different types and species. Why do we think as humans that we all have to fit into one narrow trail or box. Exactly. And water always takes the easiest path. Like that's why water tends to flow downhill instead of uphill. Mm, we, using a lot of nature references today. <laughs> that, well, that's where the truth is. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of uh, Our Planet on Netflix and every single time I watch it, I'm like, why is like, this should be required watching in schools because you can see how much humans mimic the ecosystem, but we're just so blind to it by all the stuff that we do every day. And I'm like, no, go watch our planet. And you'll be like, wow, I could just bloom with ease. And like, yeah, a flower might have some thunderstorms or might get a little shaken up, but like, it's still going to bloom. I'm like, that's how humans are. Oh my goodness. Well, what's interesting is we've been already 42 minutes in the conversation yet. I haven't even asked you how you got into coaching. And I feel like we need to talk about that because Coaching is actually something I feel like in the last two years that has gotten a really bad stigma and really kind of negative name. And I'm curious, now that you've been in the coaching world for so long, like, what do you think about what's been going on with the word coaching industry? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have a lot to say here. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'll answer your first question, how I got into coaching. I, uh, I studied psychology in undergrad. But I knew that I didn't have any desire to be a therapist. And positive psychology, I wasn't aware of it at the time. And I just had no desire to tell people what was wrong with them and then fix them. That didn't sound right to me. So I got my master's in marine biology. I studied killer whales. And then I worked for the federal government for a while. And then I was offered a big promotion there. And I quit that job, got out of there because that was not for me. And then I became a science writer. And on the side, since I was 16, I was always coaching swimming because I grew up competitively swimming. And so that, that swim coaching grew into teaching group fitness, personal training, uh, coaching triathlon, 
And I think that's it. So, okay. So then that gets to to the point I'm doing science writing and a bunch of coaching and group fitness. And then I learned about life coaching. I learned about it through a Facebook post. So again, thank you, social media. You've been very helpful in my life. I'm just not here for you right now. Um, So I saw this friend posting about how she had a few more sessions to give away as a life coach before she got her certification. And I reached out to her right away and was like, where are you doing this? I need to know more. And she told me I was enrolled in the coaching school like two days later. So that was, I think I got my certification in early 2014. So yeah, I've been at it for seven years now. It could be 2013 also. I don't really know years. Since the beginning, I've always had a problem with the word coach. And after I did my just professional coaching certification, then I did a certification in performance coaching. And I was still a triathlon coach at the time. And I kept, so performance coaching was for athletes, like mindset for athletes. And throughout that program, I kept saying, what's another word for coach? And they were telling me like, oh, Kelsey, it's fine. People will understand that you're a different type of coach. Just call yourself a performance coach. And I was like, well, a lot of triathlon coaches call themselves performance coaches. So that's really confusing too. And they're like, they'll get that you're really focused on the mindset. I'm like, well, they're not getting it. So I was always, I'm like, can we say something other than coaching? Because coaching has this connotation of telling people what to do. A coach, like your baseball coach tells you what to do and you do it. But in professional coaching, that's not how it works. We bring out our client's brilliance. We ask a bunch of questions and a coach will never tell their client what to do. It's a little different when it gets to business coaching. But actual like life coaching and the grand scheme of coaching, it's all about asking questions. Your client has all the answers and you trust them and you guide them, but you're never telling them what to do. And I had people early on say, oh, coaching isn't for me. I don't believe someone should tell me what to do. And I was like, no, what? And then I had the opposite of somebody like saying something and then I asked them coaching questions and she's like, why don't you just tell me what to do? I'm like, because that's not coaching. She was like, oh, I don't think coaching is for me then. So yeah, in the last couple of years, a lot of people have started calling themselves coaches. And I mentioned to this to you at the end of our conversation last week that I get pitches from a lot of these people on my podcast. And you stood out because while you don't mention having a certification in your bio, you say all the stuff you've trained in. And I, so I broke my rule. I was like, she passes. She passes. She's <laughs> done the work. You don't have to have the piece of paper. I mean, I'm one of those people, I have no idea where any of my diplomas are, any of my certifications, any of my All-American certificates. I have, I never, I don't, I don't know what to do with those things. So the actual certification, whatever. But the training matters. As coaches, we are dealing with people's mental health. And it is super important that we know what to do and we know when we're out of our scope. We know when we're like, I need you to go to therapist. And the way I describe the difference between therapy and coaching 
is a therapist helps people go from a dysfunctional past to a functional present. And a coach helps you go from a good present to an amazing future. The process is fairly similar. Wow. That's such incredible insight. And to your point, there is a fine line that people are like, should I get a therapist or a coach? And by the way, I think you should have both. I have a therapist and many coaches, like for all different areas of my life. But there are things that a coach is not ethically trained to talk to me about as it comes to my mental health. And I realized that early on, and I'm sure you did too, with mindset coaching specifically, people come to you with maybe depression or anxiety, and they think it's a mindset issue. And I'm like, no, 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 you need to go to a therapist. But I didn't learn that until I actually trained with a a therapist turned mindset coach who ran a whole course on how to identify those boundaries and when you should be looking up therapists, how to recommend them to one. And I'm like, wow, if I had never taken that course, I would probably be doing a lot of unethical coaching right now because people don't understand it. Like you said, they, they don't know, should I go to a therapist or a coach? So I love the way you just presented it and laid it out. And I love that you just said that. That is like, yes, you are in alignment, Chelsea, and it's beautiful <laughs> and you're powerful and people should come to you for mindset work. Oh, thank you. And it's, I will say it is hard to implement those boundaries because you're like me, like we want to help people. There are people that come to me and I'm like, oh my God, I would love to help you. And I, I think I could, but I also highly recommend that you either continue going to your therapist, find a therapist, and maybe even come back to me in like three months when you feel like you've resolved some of this. Because again, I'm not a trained psychologist or therapist or anything. And I think people need to understand Actually, I would love to ask you, what do you think people should look for when they're hiring a coach? Mm. That's a great question. I think connection is the first thing. Like, just make sure you guys mesh. And then, so I always say, like, as a coach, I can guarantee I'm going to show up, be 100% present with you, bring all of my tools and training and life experience and hold space for you and be your cheerleader, and be here to 100% support your transformation. But I cannot guarantee that your life is going to change because that's all on you. It depends on how you show up and how you're committed to the work. And if in every session I'm like, okay, what do you want to talk about? And you're like, I don't know. Well, then we're going to be able to like kind of throw some stuff at the wall and maybe find something and maybe we'll find gold sometimes. But I need you to take the initiation, step into your power and figure out like, where do we need to dig today? Where are we going to go? And you don't have to be super specific. Like, again, I'm a non-specific manifester and I want people to, to be clear on that and be true to who they are. And this is why human design is so helpful in coaching. Um, but no, just know what you want out of each session. So that doesn't answer your question in terms of like, how to know what's good for you. I think it's all about connection. Yeah. And like probably listening to your gut and your body, like there were instances in early when I was hiring coaches where I wasn't listening to my body and I was getting like actual no's in my body, but I was like, oh, they've had a $10,000 month and they have a big team and they have all the fancy graphics. So maybe I should go with them. And I'm like, halfway through the program, I was like, I need out. Like, this is not for Mm. me. And looking back, I'm like, I should have just listened to every signal that my body was giving me. 
Yeah. All right. So I'm going to say something on that. Um, There are, because everyone can slap the word coach on themselves now, there are people who are amazing marketers. They don't necessarily have any idea how to coach. They get, and I don't even like using that word, but they get tons of clients. They make tons of money. But are they transforming lives? Most of them aren't. And they're giving the coaching industry a really bad rap. And there is a international coaching federation, which is like this, you know, the overarching body for coaching. I, after I got certified, I went and got my accreditation through ICF. And I think it lasted like three years. And I let it lapse because I was living in Maine at the time and all of the New England events were in Connecticut and and weren't interesting to me. So I wasn't getting anything out of the membership. But also no one else was familiar with the accreditation body. So no one was asking me if I was like legit. And then to renew it, I had to take a test and I oh, I don't want to do that. All that stuff that it's a sacral no to do all of that stuff. So that can be a helpful way to know if somebody actually knows what they're doing when it comes to coaching. But then again, we get like, so I don't have that accreditation anymore. I'm a trained coach. You don't have the actual like pieces of paper saying you're a certified coach. And yet you've done tons of work to like, no, and not just doing the work on yourself, but you've done the work to know how to coach people. So it might take some digging to really figure out how to find the coach for you. Yeah, it is kind of like dating, like some experiences, you're going to be like, okay, that was a cool sales page. But now I'm in the program. And I don't like this. Or you might be like, wow, I'm so excited. I ended up signing with this person. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting the experiences people have, because to your point, I think a lot of people don't understand this. But like, coaches, because it's unregulated, can also make up their own certifications and schools. And I used to hear people call it, you know, the blah, blah, blah school or the blah, blah, blah academy. And I'm like, wow, that's so amazing. Like, how did they set up an academy? And then now I'm in the world. I'm like, oh, that's just what they called their like six week program. And I didn't put two and two together that I'm like, I thought they went to like, (laughs) I don't know, some recognized government organization and started this academy or school. And so I always tell people, I'm like, use some discernment, like go look, read the FAQs. Like, is this actually something that they just decided to call it the, you know, Chelsea Rife certification, or is it accredited? Like what tools and evaluation systems did they use to create this? Because me and you right now could have a certification program, but you need to use some discernment when hiring people. Yeah. I think that's such good advice. And I think also like if you come to me for coaching and we're not a good fit, I'm going to refer you to other people. A hundred percent. That's integrity. Look for someone that's an integrity. Like I can smell now when people are like, I'm just going to convert this girl into a sale. I'm going to use any trick in the bag versus someone that's genuinely like, actually, yeah, you're not at the stage of business where I could help you or in life, like here's someone else. And I would much rather appreciate an honest response. Yeah. And there's also something in choosing a coach or a coaching program based on your human design profile if you are a four six, for instance, and this is the only one that I I like really know for sure, but if you're a four six, you're here to learn from people, and one on one connection is what is for us. So a group program may not be for you. I know at one point there was a coach I really wanted to work with, and I was like, "Can I work with you one on one?" She was like, "No, mastermind's the only way to do it." It's this group of like ten people, so I ended up signing up for it. 
It wasn't for me. I wanted to work with her one-on-one. So like trust yourself for sixes. You're here for the one-on-one attention. Yes. And you don't, if you are a coach, you don't have to do group programs. Like going back to doing things your own way, I was taught like you have to have a course and a mastermind and a one-on-one and a product. And I'm like, for the last six months, I've been thriving off of one-on-one. And it wasn't until recently where I'm like, my reflector hat is coming on where I'm like, I want to try something different. But to be told you have to do it all these ways, it, it doesn't sit right. Yeah. I was told definitely early on, you'll make more money, you know, cause you'll get more people in your course. And I don't want a lot of people in my course. Like I did a group program called quit your shit. It was actually four weeks to quit the stuff that isn't serving you, but we all called it quit your shit. Um, and I did that in March, April and people kept asking me like, Oh, how many people did you get in your program? What did I, I think I ended up with five is the perfect number. I did not want any more than that. That's like my max number ever in a group program. I value that one-on-one connection so much, but that's 99% of my business is the one-on-one work. Oh, I'm so glad you're saying this because I know there's a lot of people listening that are probably overwhelmed thinking they need to sell thousands of spots to their courses. And that happened to me too. My first course launch, I had 20 people. And I mean, that was the first time I've ever held space for 20 people. And I'm like, how the hell do people do this? It's like 50, 100, 500 people to this day. I'm like, I don't mind capping it out at like 10 to 15 because that was a lot. And I'm glad to hear you've experienced the same thing. Yeah. And while we're talking about limits, we kind of talked about this before, but I also, I go so deep in my conversations with my clients that two clients a day, that would be my max. Oh, thank you for bringing this up. Someone yesterday was like, you work so much. You need to take a break. And I'm like, I'm going to upload a screenshot of my calendar because I take two to three clients a day and three is pushing it. Like, and all of them are three hours apart. Like I told my VA, do not do not even think about making it like a 15 minute break. It has to be an hour. And I'm like, it's interesting that it goes back to social media just because I'm posting. People think I'm like working all the time. I'm like, guys, I don't start my day till like one and I take on maybe two clients a day. So you don't have to book up your calendar to be successful. Mm-mm. Tap into what is best for you. And also as, as a coach, as a business owner, there are so many things we do for our businesses. So for instance, I've mentioned that I'm an athlete. That is part of who I am. It actually, like I learned so much for my business when I'm training. And so I actually, I only have three hours. I, for the most part, I only see clients from 2 PM to 5 PM Monday through Friday. That's my limit. I'm in the morning. I'm training. I'm moving my body. Yes, you need me to do that before I help you through whatever we're going through. And and then there's time to like, if you're doing social media, there's for that, for the podcasting, for the course creation, for the writing, the sales pages, for the bookkeeping, for everything else. It's not just like back to back to back clients. Yeah, which I, in the beginning, thought that. I'm like, oh, I just book up my calendar and take on a ton of one-on-one clients. I'm like, 
And I think this is something that you can attest to as well is the one-on-one is not just the Zoom call. Like there's the support in between. It's the energy you feel after the call. It's the prepping before the call. It's the support. It's not just that call because I hear this all the time. People are like, why don't you just take on like 20 more one-on-one clients? I'm like, it's beyond the Zoom call. It's way beyond that. That's true for both coach and client because clients, I also say like, you know, the magic of the coaching happens afterwards. That one-on-one time when we are actually in conversation, that's like planting a whole bunch of seeds. The waves come in the next few days. So yeah, that's when I need you to keep in touch. Let me know what's going on. Yeah. That's the more time that goes into the coaching. Yeah. Coaches don't try and like set up your business as a dollar for hour type of situation. It's not what coaching is. No, 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 no. And if anything, something I've really come to terms with in the last three months is like, I value my quality of life versus how busy my calendar is. And most of us started businesses so we wouldn't have to be booked out all day long back to back. And the other day I'd had like a Tuesday off And for a second, I was like, oh, I should be working. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go chill with a friend. We got some drinks by the water. And I'm like, this is why I started my own business. But the business world has you thinking like, you can't take off on a Tuesday. Like you could have booked up the whole day with clients and courses. And it's like, why? I started my business so I could have a day like this. And also, I understand it. You also started your business because you want to help people. And you are going to help people when you are at your best, like they are paying for your best energy. So it is your job to take care of your energy, the way you take care of a puppy, like nourish it, do everything you have to do to take care of your energy so that you show up as your best self for each client. Amen. We do not want burnt out, tired, exhausted coaches if I'm paying for someone, I would be really upset if they came like frazzled, tired, like, sorry, I've been on like 20 calls all day. I would be like, this isn't the investment or exchange that I wanted. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, so do I get like half off? Yeah. (laughs) Is this free or what's going on? That actually brings me to, I have a few more questions. And this one is, I know people are thinking it is they want to hire a coach but they see the price tag and they're like, I've never seen anything cost this much. That's how when I got into coaching, I was like, what the hell are these prices that people are charging? It is kind of sticker shock, especially even therapy. I remember being expensive. So then coaching was like double or triple. I'm like, where are these prices coming from? And now obviously I understand that we're talking about the energy and how much space you have to hold. But what would you say to someone that's maybe interested in hiring a coach, but they've truly like never seen a price tag that high? Are you using your reflector energy? Did this? Did you have this question before you were in my energy? I don't know. I'm like, am I? Because <laughs> um, I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about like when you replace your roof, which we did a couple months ago. It's like fourteen thousand dollars. That's in Florida. Granted, I think it was much less expensive in Maine. But you're just like, okay, I need a new roof. You pay the money. Why are we so funny about spending money on ourselves and our own transformation? We tend to be so much more comfortable paying for things we can touch, like paying for a roof, paying for a car, paying for clothes, instead of paying for changing our lives. Oof. 
That's, I mean, like 10 years from now, you're going to thank yourself for paying for changing your life. Those clothes will be long gone. The roof might be ready to be replaced and you might be ready to replace the car. But you'll still have all of the tools that you learned from your coaching experience. Oh, that is so gold. I, I was thinking about the same thing this morning. So we were on the same wavelength for sure. But I was like, what did I used to spend my money on? Because I used to make really good money in corporate America, but I had like nothing each paycheck. I was like living paycheck to paycheck. And I'm like, oh, it was like $200 at Sephora, $150 on drinks, $200 at Forever 21, like easily spent $1,000 a month on like drinking, eating or makeup. And I'm like, now that I'm in the coaching world, I'm like, imagine if I hired a a one-on-one coach for like $1,000 a month, I would have been probably not making all the decisions I was making when I was 26. But I don't think I knew that until I got in the coaching world and truly saw what you said. These tools aren't just for one week. It's like what I'm learning in coaching will last me a lifetime. Yeah. That's the whole point. And where you're going to go with your time with your coach is someplace you might get eventually, but coaching is going to get you there so much faster and with so much ease because you can struggle bus your way anywhere and you can be on the struggle bus and it'll take you like 40 years. And this is why people say, oh, in my age, I have all this wisdom. Mm -hmm. You can have that wisdom when you're 20 as well. It actually has nothing to do with the actual age. Oh, I love that. Which is, I feel like we're seeing that a lot now. Like, I feel like Gen Z is woke. I'm like, holy shit, they are wise. And I'm like, because they are now the ones that can, are consuming this content. I, like, I'm getting inquiries now from 21 and 22-year-olds. I'm like, you guys know what coaching is? I was like blacked out in the bushes when I was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, yeah, I had no idea what coaching was until my early 30s. Yeah. It's crazy. I feel like it's just... Because to our point earlier, it's like the therapy to me, like you said, is kind of going back and like, okay, what happened that I can reframe or accept or forgive where coaching is like, okay, here's my forward goal and what action steps do I need to take there? And having someone to support me and like guide me and hold that space for me is so different. I think we're also transforming as a culture slowly away from looking at what's wrong and looking at our wounds and kind of poking at our wounds and defining ourselves by our wounds. And instead, I think we're starting to get ready to see our gifts and we're all just feeling this craving to change the world. Oh, I love that. I feel the same. I'm like, you can tell in the last year, people are like, we're done with the bullshit. Like, let's all collectively start to raise each other's consciousness because we're over it. Like, we want to actually be better people and have a better world. Yeah. We're here for the magic. Amen. Well, my final question that I ask all my guests is that this podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion. So clearly you're an expert in coaching and human design, but what is something you're not an expert in that you wish you were? I actually totally don't resonate with the word expert and don't feel like I'm an expert in anything. I feel like I'm just a human who there's some stuff I kind of know a lot about and there's some stuff I'm good at and whatever. I'm just playing through this life. Uh, So the things I tend to wish I was an expert at, you know, that's actually a good sign for me that it's like I call myself out on it. I recently thought of, I had a brief 
flicker of a thought of, oh, I could get a certification in plant-based nutrition. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with that? I already like learn everything I can about it and I make up my own recipes. I have zero desire to actually tell people how to eat. So what would the point of that be? So anytime that I find myself like wanting to become an expert in something, it's always a red flag for me. Like, wait, what are you going to do with that? What's your goal here? What's something you wish you knew more about? Hmm. So I started my career as a marine biologist. I want to know everything about, like, my curiosity is endless. I want to know everything about every animal that lives on this planet about the way it, because I'm more into ecology, I want to know more about health of animals and the environment. If I could just like download all of that information, that'd be great. What do you want to know more about? Uh, the same. Someone just posted this question of like, what do you wish people knew more about? And what do you want to know more about? And I wrote three things. I wrote uh, somatics, like somatic experiences, um, the fungi kingdom, like how they all work together. I just found out they like negotiate with other plants, but then they save other plants. It's kind of crazy. I'm like, I would love to know more about that. And I do not understand cryptocurrency. And I'm like, I would love to know more about that because I can tell it's blowing up and something's happening behind the scenes, but I'm so clueless that I would just not even to invest, but just to understand what's happening and like what NFTs are and the economy and how it's shifting. I would love to know more about that. I want to know more about that, but I don't want to learn about it. Like it doesn't light me up. It doesn't interest me. But I just want to know what's going on. <laughs> a note on fungi. Last year in our backyard, mushrooms made a heart. No. It was so cool. It was the, you, like, did you, you take know, a picture? Of course I did. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, we need, okay, I know you don't have social media, but you need to send it to me so I can upload it. I will. Yeah, it just like, you know, mushrooms, one day there's nothing, and then the next day there's mushrooms, and they all popped up in this big heart. Oh my God, it's crazy. And I mean, now we've seen the influx of like psychedelics are being approved in the US, and, you know, people are micro microdosing mushrooms, and I'm like, I would love to know more about it and the effects it's going to have on all of our health. Yeah. I have a lot of questions there. I, I'm so I'm I'm filled with questions. Me too. I think that's why uh we get along so well. We're like yeah. just curious. I'm like, life is just I'm I wanna know everything. Like I just wanna live everywhere and know everything. And our open ajnas, neither of us are attached to having the right answer. It's not about the answer, it's about the questions. Yeah, like I just wanna know. I'm a curious cat. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> <That's surreal. laughs> Sometimes gets me in trouble. It's the reason that when you go walking with me, if we walk on a path that has curves, I'm and then we have to turn around at some point. I'm always gonna okay, we can turn around after. I just need to look around this corner. I just need to know what's what's coming next. Just one more corner. Yep. I love that. Well, I have absolutely love this conversation and I know people are going to want to know how to work with you. So what are some ways that people can find you and engage with your work? Mm, thanks for asking. Everything you need is at KelseyAbbott.com. Perfect. So find her there. You're not going to find her on Reels or on TikTok or on Instagram or anything like that. Head to KelseyAbbott.com and thank you so much for joining. This is one of my favorite conversations. Thank you. I had so much fun.
That's a wrap for this week's episode. Be sure to go to Kelsey's website, kelseyabbott.com. Check out her Find Your Awesome podcast where I was a guest. We did a nice little podcast swap, and I think you'll really enjoy what we talked about in that episode. And be sure to follow me at Chelsea Ripe and at Non-Expert Opinion Pod. Remember that ratings, reviews, and subscribes help beyond imagination. It's like currency for a podcaster. So consider that your payment and consider that my love language. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week.